when you're setting up a community, if you can't communicate effectively, people will either lose interest or not fully follow and just jump off. And, you know, it, it can be a bit fickle like that. So it's all about being very clear, you know, having clarity around every announcement, thinking things through, making sure people know exactly what's going on. Welcome to Airdrop, the show that's going to help you understand what NFTs are, how they work, how to use them, and all that good stuff. My name is Ryan, and I'm joined by my good friend Phosphorus, and we are here to make sure that you never have trouble making internet friends again. Today we're talking to Brett, or as we know him on the internet, Eli Herf, about how he got involved with community management. In this episode, we talk about his background as an educator and how it was a perfect transition from that to community management in Web3. We talk about how does an NFT project use Discord effectively and what skills and traits make for a great community manager. And a bunch of other stuff. Raleigh, and what I really liked about this episode was how Brett kept coming back to the need to communicate clearly and simply. Yeah, I mean, it's just talking to people normally as that's how you build community if you were building like a real life community you wouldn't do it by making a bunch of corporate feeling marketing efforts you know what i mean it's just having conversations and, and communicating in a way that's authentic and real and i think people are, are drawn to that kind of community and i think we can just overthink it so much and we can try to overhype it or oh, trying yeah. to be perfect when we're just humans trying to relate with other humans and I love how his process of developing this and growing in this space was just putting himself out there over yep. and over again and just asking the dumb questions. Right. Just making yourself available to people. I don't know. There's something really cool about that. It's like, hey, I'm this person and I could bring value to your life in this way. Let's uh, be friends and work together. And then all of the opportunities that came out of that for him. So crazy. And the crazy thing about this role of community management is that most projects are in like desperate need for it. Oh yeah, for sure. And this role, in my own personal opinion, Phosphorus's opinion here, in the future, this will be a top five position for Web3 companies. And it's a job you don't need to be technical for. Right. But the technical people out there, they they want to build something. They want to they wanna do the work that they're good at. They don't necessarily want to spend their time managing community and and doing discord stuff and keeping up with their audience right they want to build something and that's that's i think why this role is so important I, i'm right there with you i think the exact same thing yes this episode is fantastic please make sure you follow airdrop on twitter at airdrop show make sure you follow along on youtube spotify apple podcast make sure you please comment share with a friend who you think would be perfect as a community manager yeah with all that said let's drop in All right, so today we're talking to Brett, who just informed me of his real name today, but I yeah. know him as Eli Herf on Discord. I don't know what to say. Can I call you Eli? I feel like that's how I know you. Yeah, let's go with Eli. We were having a laugh about it in the Parrot server uh, yesterday, and I informed that I was going to be chatting with you guys. And I said, am I going to go with my real name, Brett? Because I doxed myself. Um, there's a bit of a story behind that. Like, I just feel like it's cleaner and it's uh, you know better for the community in terms of trust. And I had some really great 
conversations with Jamil from Stacks NFT about that. And I'm super glad that I did. I know that when I'm in an NFT project, I really love a docs team just for that trust in terms of where you're investing your cryptocurrency. However, I understand why people don't. And I also love that people can have a pseudonym and be themselves and be different and create a persona and have a PFP that represents them, etc. But I was saying, do I go by the name of Brett or, and they're like, your name's not Brett. Don't even pretend your name's Brett. You're going by Eli. So <laughs> let's do that guys. We'll uh, definitely go with Eli today. I don't think if people will wonder who Brett is. So I think Eli Herf, we'll go with Eli. That makes the most sense. Eli. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. So why not? I- we were doing the interview with Arthurus from Cycle, and they were talking about basically when they launched their NFTs, the Explorers, they realized how much community building they needed to do. And all of a sudden, when he was talking, my mind went to you because you're the name I see in all the discords. So I was all like, I need, to, I, <laughs> I need to get Eli Herf on here to talk about what does it mean to be a community manager? So... That's what we're going to talk about today. But first, we need to start with a question that we ask all of our guests at this point. So, Raoyan, hit him with a question. All right. The question that we have been asking everyone is, how do you explain what an NFT is to somebody who has zero concept, right? Like you're talking to your mom or uh, a fourth grader or just somebody who has no idea. How would you explain what an NFT is? It's definitely a great question, and I've listened to all your other podcasts, and they've been rad, by the way. And um, I well, thank you. No problem, my pleasure. I think that um, I think we can come at it from a few different angles. Obviously, there's the direct translation of non fungible token, and I explain that to people in that you can't break it up. Like you're not going to go to the um, to the Louvre in France and cut the Mona Lisa in half and you know, give half to one person and half to the other person that doesn't have the value in, the, in that anymore. So it's, it's owning the whole thing and it can't be broken into denominations, but that doesn't really clarify it. I think if you're going to be explaining it to a fourth grader or someone who has no idea, and I've had to do that because people are saying, what are you doing now? What, um, what are you doing with your life right now? Right. Um, <laughs> you seem to be on Discord a lot. <laughs> Uh, I think we can come at it from two different angles. I think we can come at it from the creator or the collector. So if you think about it from the creator's point of view, let's just think about it from from an artist. So not even to do with like an NFT collection or project as we know, but from an artist, you create this beautiful piece of art in the real world and you might sell it either professionally or, you know, just like a little market where you sell that piece of art and you make your money but you never see that again. So you've put all your love and your your creativity into that painting and you've connected with the buyer, hopefully. However, after that, if someone loves that painting and they offer that buyer, you know, more money, um, you don't ever see a piece of that. So what NFTs do is bring the creator the ability to, one, connect with buyers all around the world because you're then able to connect with people via discord and via twitter which is really you know there's no barriers you could you can be a creator in in australia where i'm from and and sell your nft to you know someone in the states or someone in europe or wherever they are via the internet there's no there's no barriers they don't need to be at the market that you're selling it at in in your hometown so there's that and then also 
that you, you create that artwork and you mint it onto the blockchain. So it's, you know, it's verified that you created it. And then in the smart contract, you, which we don't, I feel like that's not a fourth grade term in the, in how, in how it works is that every time that then somebody may want to buy that, that painting, uh, which is now online on the internet, the, you as the creator, you as the, the, the original artist gets, uh, you know, money or cryptocurrency or royalties from that. So it rewards the original artist. So I think it was long straight in the last episode said, it's like you're at school and you create a painting and someone loves it. So they trade you two of their favorite pencils because kids love trading stuff. You then give them your cool painting. You get your pencils. Great. But then afterwards, if someone likes the painting from that person and they want to trade something with them, you don't get any more cool stationery to put in your pencil case. So what it does is really for kids, it's like ensuring that, you know, you keep getting cool stationery for your original piece of artwork. I kind of like explaining it like that. It's kind of like, goes back to the bartering system where I used to say, hey, you know, I love that painting. I'll give you my goat. And then afterwards, someone wants to trade that painting for their horse. But then I also then um, am forced through kind of the rules of the contract to then give something else back to the artist that I originally gave my goat to. So that's kind of a fun way to explain it to kids. Um, What about the collector's side? So from the collector's side, I guess it's also being able to verify the NFT or the painting or the digital artwork that you um, have purchased is what it is meant to be. Because obviously in the real world, there can be a lot of problems and trouble with fraudulent art um, or just, you know, you may buy a print. It doesn't mean that you own the Mona Lisa. It basically guarantees that you own what it says that you own. But then also a big part of like my life in this area is, the community aspect. And I feel like when you buy an NFT and particularly with an NFT project, no, you're not just buying the NFT. You're not just buying into the roadmap and the potentially the utility, but you're really buying into a community. So when you do it, you, everyone else who's purchased this NFT, yes, they may want to flip it and make some cryptocurrency from it. But a lot of people are holding because they're really then enjoying what they've bought into in terms of the community side. So I think from the collector, there's a lot more than just the beautiful piece of art. You can then be in touch with that artist, hopefully forever, hopefully, um, you know, that the artist and the creators hang around and you're really able to connect with people because you own that. It's almost like buying a membership to a club. And, And I think that that's like a lot of value in NFTs can be driven by that as well. Interesting. I do like what you said mm. about the, the community aspect. How did you get into NFTs? <laughs> my, my friends have said, how much Kool-Aid have you drunk? But they just don't know how good it is. Um, <laughs> um, about early 2017, when a lot of people, I guess, well, not a lot, um, you know, a lot of people sort of onboarded into crypto. People who were on before that have done super well. I had a friend uh, who got me into the whole thing, uh, who was super OG. And he was one of those guys where you're like, you bought Bitcoin for how much? When? How many did you buy? One of those guys who works for fun now. He's still a really good buddy of mine. And he got me into crypto, yeah, early 2017. And, you know, I dabbled. It's one of those stories where you're like, oh, why didn't I put more in? But you can't go back in time. And so I'd been really involved in the cryptocurrency space f- since then. And, you know, leading right up into 2021 when I 
probably dived into NFTs really hard, but I'd always been a massive fan of a cryptocurrency called Decred. And Decred is really based on community. They have like sort of the gold standard DAO. And I'll sort of get to why that led me to NFTs because basically I started to see, actually, it's a completely different topic. I think Decred's undervalued. But that, how did I get into NFTs? Because the, the DAO component, the community component of Decred is what actually led me to Discord. They have a really amazing um, Discord and they have a, quite an amazing community. And I started to see the value in how a community can bring value and worth and a sense of kind of stickiness. So businesses talk about stickiness, like how often do you come back because of the community and because of the people leading the community, you know, you feel compelled to jump back in because you want to chat to the people and learn to the people and network with the people in the community. And I started looking at NFTs and you sort of started seeing projects like Board Ape Yacht Club and they were starting to become, you know, celebrities and things were starting to talk about NFTs. And I've always been an art lover and big into the arts since way back, you know, with with art and music and film and so many things that I think have got huge upside if they start to um, head into the blockchain and into the NFT space. And we've already seen that art and um, music have. It'd be really interesting to see. And same with reading. I, I'm a ma- like an avid reader. But I was like, let's have a look at NFT Twitter. And then it was like, whoa, look at all this stuff happening. And so when I first got into it, I um, was less into the NFT project sort of thing, which I'm obviously a huge part of now and you know deeply, deeply embedded into now. But I just got into it from the, the love of art and the ability for artists, like I mentioned earlier, to connect with people all around the world without only being able to sort of sell to their local community or to tourists who visit their village, etc. And I originally actually started off just by looking around in the Tezos ecosystem because some of their marketplaces, some of the art is just phenomenal, like gorgeous stuff and crazily low prices. And I, and I was like, what's going on here? And I dabbled and I bought a few pieces just because I was exploring how it all worked. And I bought this piece by an artist called uh, Ubaid. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's like U-B-A-Y-D. And she's a, an Indonesian artist on Tezos. And then I connected with her on Twitter and found out about her and found out she's from this sort of tiny village in Indonesia and that, you know, selling an NF- NFT to me was like a big deal for her. I was like, wow, this has got so much scope. And since then, actually, I'm still in touch with her and she sends me her works in progress and I give her feedback and I help her because her English is not as strong. I help her to like name her um, NFTs and I, I help her to like come up with descriptions and stuff and even help her out with like perhaps how she should price them or how many should she should mint and it all kind of started like that. And I'd actually done that, you know, not expecting anything in return. And I never have. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't even accept it from her with quite a number of different artists from that ecosystem. And then as I did that, obviously, like the Twitter algorithm started showing me more and more about NFTs. And I naturally, obviously, knew about, had o- heard of OpenSea. Um, and so started exploring that, looking at ETH. And I'd been an ETH holder anyway and looked at. And then, but when I got into that, looking into that, I was like, whoa, these gas fees are ridiculous. So I saw that they had um, Polygon or Matic. And I actually, funny story, I'd, I was just cruising around OpenSea and I found this really cool artwork of this, of this rose that someone had taken a photo of a real life rose and then 
digitized it and done all this really cool stuff with it. And very, very uh, hilariously, one of my team at um, Stax Parrots, Pekaba, was that artist. And so I bought this artwork and it happened to be his first sale. And he, nice. he, DM'd, me on, he DM'd me on Twitter and he said, hey, you know, so excited that you bought that. That's my first NFT sale ever. You know, and he sent me another one just um, for, you know, airdropped me another one as a thank you. And we connected a lot on Twitter, a bit like I'd done with that other artist. And we stayed in touch for a long time. And that's why uh, crazily, well, not crazily, like now he's a big part of the Stax Parrots project with me. So it's kind of amazing that I, I bought his NFT um, and then through getting to know him uh, and, and sort of learning about him and his abilities. And he's actually a developer amongst other things. Like he's part of my project or when I say my, you know, our project now. So that's the whole thing with the space is that you can network and connect with so many different people. I feel like I'm giving you a very long-winded version of this, by the way. But um, <laughs> after that, as I was exploring the ETH ecosystem, I noticed there was this project called Cosmo Dinos. They're actually doing really well now. They're on Ethereum. but um, And I help just by moderating a little bit and just doing bits and pieces for them now. But I noticed that they're, the English and the way they were communicating that they weren't native English speakers. And in this space, it's all about communication and obviously like having a quality roadmap and artwork and things like that. But if you can't communicate what you're doing, and that's where like the community management from like what I'm doing comes in really strongly. If you can't communicate effectively via Twitter, via a Medium article that you write on Instagram, and particularly in Discord, when you're setting up a community, if you can't communicate effectively, people will either lose interest or not fully follow and just jump off and you know it, it can be a bit fickle like that so it's all about being very clear you know having clarity around every announcement thinking things through making sure people know exactly what's going on having a a really you know obvious and easy to read roadmap and all those sorts of things and so i messaged them and again not expecting anything in return and just said hey my background is in education. I'm a teacher. I've been a teacher for 10 years. This is my skill set. I really think I, that, you know, you need to shoot me your tweets and your announcements and everything before you send them and I can help to edit and revise them so they can be clear for your audience. And so they were like, oh, yeah, we're, we're from France. We really need that. And so that relationship kind of blossomed from there and ended up as part of their team. And then after that, I, I, I noticed that my skill set had like of being a teacher translated super easily and super fluidly into this kind of community management role that I kind of started with them. I'm not doing that as much for them anymore because I'm super busy with my other things. Um, but it kind of sparked this interest in me. I'm like, I can love art and NFTs, use my skill set, and then also take my love of community, which I've always had as a teacher at schools, but then also loved in the cryptocurrency space, which had been kind of sparked by that cryptocurrency decred and kind of put it all together. And as I was cruising around on um, NFT Twitter, I, I was I saw that um, Trevor had posted about Crash Punks. And so I pretty much jumped in straight away. I think I was in like the first 20 people in their Discord. And purely because I was like, cool, that artwork looks amazing. And I've also read Snow Crash like twice. Um, so this is an amazing coincidence. It's kind of like um, combining all of my passions. And I wasn't on the team there or anything, um, although I've, obviously I am now, 
but I was just in the Discord and I was super active because we were working from home during lockdown last year in Melbourne, in Australia. We had like a seriously long lockdown. So I was on my laptop a lot. I could kind of be <laughs> on Discord a lot, which has um, turned out to be hugely um, beneficial to me. But I ended up then checking them out. I was like, oh, this is the Stacks ecosystem. What's going on here? And then noticed that the Stacks Parrots was had a very similar kind of thing in terms of an inability to communicate, like a little bit like what I noticed with Cosmo Dinos um, originally. And so I wrote to their founders there and they were like, hey, yeah, we're from Malaysia. We really need your help. We really, really need your help. We don't have a Discord. We don't have a roadmap. We didn't really realize what we were doing. We just thought you could sort of drop some artwork and go from there. And obviously it's been a massive, massive growth growth from that place. So I've ended up as part of their team. And then from that ended up as part of the Crash Punks team and then moderating on other projects. So it's all kind of blown up from there, but it all kind of started, I guess, to kind of like finish that story off as just kind of like exploring the ability to communicate and help and market and strategize with skills that I'd already had. I just didn't realize how transferable they were into the NFT space. So now I'm super deep into this space and talking to you guys on your podcast. So it's been a crazy ride. That's awesome. So really you just started digging, you started (laughs) learning what was going on in the NFT space and finding stuff that you liked that seemed like they needed help. And you were like, Hey, let me help you. Does that, that's basically, yeah. yeah. It, 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 it is as simple as that and it's not as simple as that either. I think that I, I really noticed gaps in how projects were running um, and how projects were engaging with people. I noticed those problems and I realized that through my skill set that I had as a teacher, I could fill those gaps super easily because as a teacher, you have to be able to communicate effectively. You have to be able to explain something to someone like they're five, but then you also need to be able to explain something to someone like they know more than you. And you also need to sort of cater to a wide range of language abilities because obviously in a Discord server and in NFT projects, there's people from all around the world. Um, you need to be able to sort of like grab people's attention. And I say kind of like at school, you're, you're really trying to sell learning to the kids um, because you want them to be passionate and you want them to like love learning. You don't want learning to feel like a chore for them ever. It should be something that they're intrinsically motivated to do. And then I feel like that translates across the NFT space. You want to make people understand and feel intrinsically motivated to come back to the Discord, to want to engage with people more and like students in a classroom. You want them to feel part of the classroom community because half the battle with students and their learning is making them feel safe and comfortable and part of a community at school. And then it's the same thing with an NFT project. You want people to feel safe and comfortable and passionate about the project and the community that they're a part of, because then that's half the battle. Then they're proud to just own the token despite what utility or how cool the artwork potentially, or, you know, is and what sort of draw card that is as well. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head there with trying to create a space of inclusivity and safety for people to really feel like this is their community. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Now, I see you in Discord all the time in some (laughs) of the biggest Stacks projects around. Yeah. I'm curious. This is a selfish question. Go for it. Could you talk about how Discord is just huge for community building and how does a project use Discord effectively to build their community? 
It's an amazing platform for that, isn't it? So I think, where do you start? I guess the ability for some, some, for people to have a place where they come and they know what they're in for. They know that, for example, in like with communities that I manage, that there's sort of like no tolerance for sort of anything insulting or any hate speech or any of that. They know that, it, like you said before, it's a safe space. Uh, their questions are going to be answered. People are interested in them. So it's it interesting. I was having a chat with some community members about this. And even though, apart from the fact that whoever's doxed is doxed, but even though people are behind their pseudonyms, people really do shine through in their real personalities. And I think people are seeking that connection. Um, and e- after a couple of years of COVID, I think even more. So people have had less connection perhaps in the real world or, you know, in the, in the outside of Discord world. And they've found that connection within Discord. So I think providing an environment where people, like you said, are feeling included um, and are feeling like it's exciting, they can come back. You know, if they own the token, they're going to get certain roles and certain perks. I am big into connecting projects. So, for example, with the Stacks Parrots, which I now run, obviously, like with my team, and then the founders are a little bit more quiet in in the background, which is totally fine. They're just not as confident with their English or like with the whole Discord thing, and that's why I run it for them. But I think it's figuring out a way that people feel special and feel, you know, respected inside the Discord. And so... That is obviously through token holdership and, you know, rewarding them for owning more or certain types, but also just keeping things exciting for them, you know, like having uh, different competitions, but not just, it's not always just about giveaways and winning stuff. It's about people feeling respected and having that thing of like being recognized and you you remember who they are. So you say, oh, you know, hey, so-and-so, how's your dog going? Because it's like in the real world, if you remember things about people then they feel more, you know, instantly drawn to you because they know that you've taken an interest in them and you've really listened to them. And even though they might be behind a pseudonym, they feel, and, that, and, I, and I think it's super important, and I don't just do it to try and get them to buy the NFT. I do it because I am like a true believer in those connections that people can make. And then so collaborating and partnering with the different projects and being across so many different projects, it creates trust in an environment where you don't know what people look like like people are have their pfp and they have their pseudonym but if you can create trust in an environment that can be easily not a very trusting place i think that that's what makes a really positive experience on discord and i think that sort of thing adds a lot of value to a project from the community aspect obviously you know like when you um chatted with vandal from project indigo and the dudes from megapont etc like they're providing so much um, value to their NFT through what they're doing from the development and tech aspects. But like what Arta has said from Explorers, the community aspect is massive. And as good as a project might be, if there's no community or if the community doesn't want to be there or if the community don't feel like when they turn up that they're, they're, they're a person, not just a, a number, then it won't work. Yeah, that's really important. I love what you said because... Making human connections is as easy as just being human to people. Even if you're behind a screen typing with a pseudonym, we can still recognize that we all have human emotions and we all want to feel seen and noticed. And I think that that's beautiful. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest part. It's funny. It's almost, it's almost, it's almost so obvious, but people haven't really realized that yet. And then obviously, um, with Discord, I think it's about being able to, 
you know, communicate effectively and have very clear announcements and have exciting announcements and be able to um, problem solve if there are problems and be able to um, explain things, like I said before, to people of different um, language abilities or, uh, you know, knowledge bases in regards to the whole space. So it's not just about making people feel welcome, but it's more about being able to communicate with people, you know, being responsive, being active, you know, connecting projects, um, getting that feel for the different projects, like, because, you know, there'd be projects that you would want to connect with and then there'd be ones that you wouldn't because you wouldn't want to be rugged or lead your community to a rug. So it's really learning what are the um, green flags and what are the red flags um, and then implementing that into how you behave and respond and, and are on on the Discord because I guess, yeah, like with, with Eli Herf, with me, <laughs> it's weird referring to myself in the third person, but <laughs> in the Discord, like people people see me and they know what to expect, you know, and, I, and they, they know that I work hard. They know that I'll answer them. They know that if I don't know something that I'll go and find it out. So there's a lot of that as well. It's about being very um, proactive. Sometimes it's funny. I was on the phone to uh, to Plutus and Obsidian from Byzantium actually this morning in my time earlier. And Plutus said, we really love you because you're a hustler, like not in the bad way, like in a good way. Like if you want something, then you just keep pushing and you seek a way to do it. And so it takes a fair bit of that as well. I think you do have to put yourself out there a little bit like how I got into Cosmo Dinos at the start. And then that's what led me into the Stacks ecosystem, which is like, you know, now my home. Sometimes it really is about putting yourself out there and showing your skill set. Like how I got uh, Kaylee uh, and Mark Eve and Peckabar and Ciro and all of these other people to work with and for me across the different projects. Same as like Traxpurs and Ciro both got a job um, as moderators at Tiger Force um, because they were sort of in my community to start with uh, at Parrots. And yeah, it's been super interesting. So you kind of create those connections and get a good feel for people that you can trust. But then all of those people have also sort of connected with me and shown themselves to me and gained my trust. And then, you know, we've had phone calls and, you know, some have and some haven't docs to me, but you can get that feel on Discord for who you connect with and who you don't. And I think it's funny, like like um, with you guys, you know, Phosphorus and Rawi on like, of course, I wanted to like chat with you guys and I've seen what you've done. And regardless of being behind a pseudonym or not, like the Byzantian guys or like Jamil from Stacks NFT, he's obviously docs, but regardless, you, you can get a really good feel for people um, behind the PFP and behind the pseudonym. And I think that that is what's kind of cool in this space. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we, uh, Phosphorus and I go back and forth about the, the doxing situation mm. and, uh, we're not going to talk about it here. No, that's cool. uh, you'll have it's to follow. Everyone will have to follow along to see what happens there. But totally. um, way to lead with the mystery. <laughs> I like the mystery, but I think that they, you can, regardless of the mystery, you can have trust. And you guys, you know, um, you, you've seen it in the space. It doesn't matter if people are doxxed or not necessarily, because you can still tell that if they're whether you can trust or not, and that's massive. Right. For sure. As you were talking, I was just thinking about, you know, what kind of person would, would have a really good transition to community management bartenders. Yeah. Because, you know, like you got to remember your, your regulars as they come in, like, Oh, what, what's this person's drink? What's their name? What were they going through the last time that, you know, I had a conversation with them. I was, as you were talking, thinking about the bartenders at my local 
watering hole that I like to go to. Of and this one girl, she always knows exactly what drink I want to have. As soon as I walk in the door, I see her duck under the bar and take out a bottle of wine, you know, because she knows I'm going to like this bottle the of wine that they got in well. or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I want to get into that a little bit more for I somebody who wants to. Yeah. For somebody who wants to get into community building and community management, what steps would you recommend they take? What skills do you think they should have? Let's let's get into that a little bit. I think as this space progresses, and particularly I can speak, I guess, for Stacks because Stacks is still quite small. It definitely sort of exists and doesn't in the ETH ecosystem. But I think more and more projects are going to be advertising for this sort of role because the creators just don't have time for that. You know, like the Byzantian guys and the Stacks NFT guys and the, and all of the projects, like they don't have time. They yeah. shouldn't have to have time to be in the Discord engaging with their community. Of course, it's good if they're in there when they can, because I think it's great for creators to show their face and to say hello. But I think that the sort of position that I feel like I've almost, I wouldn't say pioneered, but the position that I've kind of created for myself is going to become super necessary. And I think that as more and more projects see that and see that success will come with having like a, a really, it's almost like having a concierge or like you said, a bartender or a barista who, who remembers your coffee order and remembers how many kids you have and remembers that you love traveling or, you know, whatever it's going to come up. Um, and I know, for example, there are already other few projects that have asked me to kind of write like a bit of a job description for what I do for so they can find it for themselves. So it's interesting. I've already semi been asked that. So I think that a big thing is ha- like proficiency in English. Um, I think an ability to like edit and revise things. I think having the time and the availability, of course, is super important. You can't half do it. You can, you have to wholly be able to commit to it. I think you have to be able to problem solve. You have to be able to have a, like a good understanding of NFTs and cryptocurrency, it doesn't have to be a deep technical understanding, but I think it has to be, a, a, you know, a strong understanding. I think you need to almost, it, it will, if you don't know, like research, like various FAQs about how marketplaces work and how to set up a hero wallet or whatever, you know, whatever else is relevant. So keeping um, on top of and abreast of all of that sort of information, I think you need to have the ability to know how Discord works and how to set permissions and create channels and, you know, have verification and then be able to invite different bots and it's pretty widespread. But I think, yeah, like a a really strong handle on Discord, a strong knowledge base on um, crypto and NFTs, a good understanding of of the green flags and red flags in the space. I think also just being present uh, in other projects and being positive and being helpful and not just doing things to receive things in return, because I think that that stuff happens naturally. Like nothing that I did, right. did I ever say, oh, I'm only going to do this if you guys do this for me. I, I just did things. And then slowly, you know, the world does what it should do and you get rewarded back. But I think being proactive and showing that initiative and showing a passion for all of that stuff goes a long way, as well as the, I suppose, the more technical kind of written skills and discord skills and even communicating and speaking skills. So the, the ability to communicate using your voice, not just in text. Yeah. Yeah. Just bringing value to people's lives and their projects and wherever you see that you could bring value and help people just show up and help. That's awesome. Definitely. And it's massive. 
I think you're onto something really big here. Uh, we could probably keep talking for another hour. We could. Sorry, I do. I am a talker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's why you're perfect for this this community manager role. I just want to ask. Right. So, when I'm going to echo all these other founders, when community manager school, like, how do we learn from you on how to do this? Are you writing something out? Are you planning something? Big question. I know, but Ooh-hoo-hoo. wow, that's super juicy. Um, I am writing something in terms of the the skill set and the the not the specific knowledge points, but I guess like almost like a, a summary of what, what I think community managers require. Because like I said, I think that the job exists, but I think it's, it evolves and adapts. Um, and, and it's certainly like I'm no professional, like I'm learning something new every day, but um, the ability to learn quickly. When community manager school though, wow, should I do it? Should I create a, I'll do like what Longstreet does and create an NFT um, for community manager lessons. No, I won't oh, do that. Man. I, I um. <laughs> Oh, we could talk about um, use cases for NFTs, but that we won't have time, I don't think. That's, but, a, that's um, another podcast. <laughs> yeah, let's do another podcast. But no, look, I think um, I, I'm always up for a chat. I think people know that. If anyone has any questions, when I have the time, I write back. Um, I'm available. Like, I just love helping people. And I guess that harks back to me being a teacher. Like, helping people, I am just so intrinsically motivated to do that. And, and I... The, the reward that you get from helping people and having someone say, you know, thanks, wow, I, I really learned something, um, that, you know, that really lifts me up. And, you know, like we use that expression, like the rising tide lifts all boats. I'm happy to to play that role. And who knows what will happen in the future, but I'll, I'll let you guys know when I do <laughs> come up with oh, something man. like that. I feel like we need to work on that with you. I think that would be really, really cool. Yeah, keep it in mind, hey? <laughs> yes. I just want to wrap this up right here. Where can people find you if they want to ask... No stress. What are the green flags and what are the red flags? I feel like that's a perfect question that, I, to be honest, I want to give a call to action to all the listeners to find Eli and to ask him the question. So where can people find you? I hope I don't get... I, I'm going to get bombarded with DMs now. No, um, I... You can find me... You're welcome. Yeah, no worries, Phosphorus. I... I, you can find me all over the Stacks discords, obviously. Um, so, you know, uh, Stacks Parrots are, are, are my baby. That's the one that I'm project lead for. So jump into our server. Um, Crash Bunks, I'm head of community. So you can see me there. Bitcoin Monkeys and Project Indigo, um, OAN Media, and uh, who am I? I don't want to forget any Arties and a few others where I moderate. You can find me there. But Eli Herf, um, one on, on Twitter. Um, but yeah, look, find me, find me, and and ask me, and ask me if you can DM me, and I'll ninety nine point nine 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 percent say yes, and I'll say I'll write back to you when I can because I have lots going on. But I really do, um, really do try and get back to people, and I, I that's like a, a passion of mine. Is like I mentioned earlier, it's about being approachable, um, being available, and and yeah, responding in, in a way that I that I can to help the community. That's my Thing, community man yeah all right if you got the questions make sure you find eli eli thank you so much for coming on it was a pleasure i really do think the community manager role will be like a easy top five job for people that are not developers who are not these really technical skills people you still have a place in web3 ecosystems and this is the yeah. job for you 100%. Community management and to help people keep stay engaged and feel welcome and together, like Eli said, the tide rises for all these boats. That's right. I think 
Community manager ties the community to the creators and to the devs. Yeah, it's the connection between the community and the project. And, and without that link, I don't think the projects work. So yeah, people should be going for it. People should be gunning for it. Like lots of people have seen how important it is. Go for it. Like you never know your luck. I threw myself out there back last September and now it's March and yeah, it's been parabolic rise in terms of where I've been able to get to. So the people have just got nothing to lose. Nothing to lose, folks. You heard it here first. Eli Herf, Senor Brett, thank you so much for being Sen- on the show. No worries. You're, you guys are legends. You guys keep doing what you're doing. And I love your podcast. Uh, and I'll, be, I'll continue being an avid listener as well. Thank you so much for listening to Airdrop. If you want to know more about Eli Herf, we put a list in the description where you can find out the best way to contact him so that together we all can start pressuring him to teach all of us how to become great community managers. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, make sure you follow Airdrop on Twitter at Airdrop Show and share this podcast with uh, somebody you think would be a great community manager. And remember, if we can't live together... We're going to die alone. (laughs) So grim. (laughs) So grim. Okay. Is that the first episode? No, but it is like in the first season, like maybe halfway through the the first first season. season. Okay. When Jack realizes he's a leader. Yeah.